Welcome to The Organic Advocate. I'm your host, Taya O'Carroll, the founder, CEO, and farmer behind Yield Organic. Here at The Organic Advocate, we get real about the challenges and solutions to organic agriculture. Today, Rodrigo Zorita with eWeb Strategies here, and as part of The Organic Advocate, we're focused on solutions, and today we're talking about regenerative agriculture. Thanks for having me here, Taya. How was uh, your recent trip to Baltimore for Expo East? Actually, Baltimore was really exciting, and Expo East always seems to bring back people in different regions. I was able to meet up with a friend called Will Harris. If you haven't met him, he's with uh, White Oak Pastures. I think he's partly on my mind as well, because for me, he truly embodies regenerative agriculture, and which he also calls radically traditional farming. Radically traditional farming. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Yeah, but when you think back to it, it's like I remember my grandmother actually asking me the question, you know, what is organic? Coffee with my mother, my grandmother, myself would be farming conversations. So one of it, when she would ask that, my mother looked at her, she's like, basically, that's the way we used to do it. And I think that's what Will's referring to about radically traditional farming. Not everybody kind of knows to, I guess, differentiate. And I see a lot of people kind of like putting themselves in either one bandwagon or the other, as far as, you know, conventional, organic, regenerative. In in your words, right, how would you define regenerative? One of the biggest challenges that we have is to try and define regenerative. And I understand where you're coming from when you say that people are on bandwagons and everybody kind of goes in a different camp. But I like to unite people. So we're all farmers. And I think we have a very personal opinion on how we want to manage our land. And regenerative for me is basically not using synthetic chemicals and fertilizers in a lot of soil treatments and allowing the earth to kind of go back to its natural cycles. If you really pay attention, it's like we're into just entering the last quarter of the year. It's kind of hard to imagine already that 2019 is going to be wrapping up fairly soon. When you look at it, it's part of a cycle, right? So nature is built to be regenerative, just like the seasons come and go and they change and there's different things that happen in different seasons. Nature in our soil and the regenerative part isn't any different. Microbes, they feed the plants. Plants, they grow and feed the animals. In animals, you know, they provide that urine and manure and the whole cycle kind of keeps going. Got it. And we get to benefit from everything. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course you do. I mean, if you have a healthier soil, you have healthier plants, you have healthier animals, and it just, the cycle keeps elevating, whether you're eating the plants or the animals. Yeah. Why wouldn't you choose for a healthier system? So like, what are the farmers and ranchers roles in the regenerative cycle? Well, I guess I kind of look at it, it's like similar to the soil. You know, a lot of people sometimes disconnect themselves from what's happening out in nature and on their land to what might be happening within them. And just like the soil, nature gives us a chance each day to regenerate ourselves through choices. It's just like the land. It's through the choices that we make, like in our case of our physical bodies, it's through our food, our water, air, emotions, stress, all of that stuff affects our overall health. And it's natural regenerative cycle. Are you saying that? I think thing, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I'm just saying it's the same thing that happens on the land. It's just it becomes a cycle. That's funny because that's exactly where I was going. So, so you're saying that farmers and ranchers as landowners have a responsibility. I think they have a choice. I think responsibility for me is a very strong word because 
I cannot say that I have met a farmer or rancher who isn't a good steward, but they're going to do it their own way. And that's the beauty of being an independent person is if your business your way. But I do think it's a choice that it's up to us as a collective to decide how we're going to steward over this process that nature's, you know, it's going to go forward with or without us in one way or another. But if we work with it to facilitate the process and enable what's naturally taking place, I think we all thrive in turn. You know, life is a cycle. And the beautiful part of meeting Will again is he just always has such a Southern eloquent way Um if you ever get to meet him, you'll never forget him, is talking about traditional farming and how in his case, it's the merit of naturally regenerating the land, the water, the soil, the human health, the community, the pollinators, air. You know, it affects the environment as a whole. It's such a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. So about Will, like when did you meet Will? Um, I've of course, if you're in kind of this agricultural space, he's kind of like, I call him a hero because he's, what is he, third generation already on his land and he already has his daughters and the next generation even after that are starting to steward over the land. It's it's a pretty neat process. So when somebody's that inherent to the land and starts to get into the rhythm of it, whether they like it or not, they start making waves in communities and people start to hear about him. For me, I was able to hear about him um, probably in the last couple of years, and I had the chance to meet him and be on a panel with him at last January, talk about how fast a year goes by. It was last January at an Organic and Natural Health Association conference. We were talking about the business case for sourcing organic and regenerative ingredients and how important that is, quality in, quality out. Let's dive in a little bit on that perspective as it pertains to kind of how sourcing organic and regenerative makes a difference and you know especially like you'd never think that a natural health association would be into that but share more about how that works yeah actually every <laughs> every time we peel back another layer of our food and our ingredients it's pretty amazing what you do and you don't find so what it was a beautiful benefit there is to have the people who are actually putting together supplements for example in our industry to really take a look at where their ingredients are coming from And just like I said, quality in, quality out. All of that has to do with the cycles. So it goes back to when energy, the carbon, mineral, micro, water cycles, when they're in a state where they're actually flowing freely, when nature's actually working by itself, and anybody who's ever outside, whether you're a farmer or not, actually feels what I'm talking about. It's it's just like something that moves by itself. It's nature. (laughs) I don't know what, yeah, it's alive. That's a good description. I don't know what else to call it, but when those cycles are flowing freely, it completely supports a regenerative system. And that system has its own natural way of being able to restore itself. So again, back to the original conversation where those microbes, if they're healthy and alive and vital, they're going to be feeding the plants. Yeah. And keep on propagating. And earlier you mentioned carbon, so can you share in with that? What what about carbon? How, how do regenerative practices play a role in that? Well, carbon is part of that cycle. I keep science pretty simple. For me, this is my definition. So please, if you're a scientist out there, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't go into a whole molecular discussion, but soil health for me equals regeneration. And sometimes people call that carbon sequestration. It's a carbon cycle. Well, plants naturally do it if we go back to eighth grade science. It's you start to learn the carbon cycle of a plant. Got it. You referenced 
Will as a hero around regenerative. And obviously he's living that out. Can you share how his example and his operation exemplify what's possible in regenerative practices? Oh, I'd love to. When people are able to model the way, you're not just talking about making change, you're actually are doing and being the change. And Will's farm, White Oak Pastures, is actually a perfect example of it. So much so that his beef that he had been raising on his farms was sold into a company called Epic. And Epic was then purchased by General Mills. And Everybody has a story, right? So General Mills, um, the head of it at the time was Jerry Lynch. Jerry Lynch came out and brought a bunch of the scientific team because they wanted to actually measure like, okay, if we're going to be supporting a company, Epic, that was buying this livestock, what impact is it having on the environment? Because that's part of their mission statement is moving towards regenerative practices. So after rigorous testing, came to the conclusion, it's pretty jaw-dropping. Will's production system, for every pound of meat that's produced on his farm, three and a half pounds of carbon is actually sequestered. That was a little shocking to people, and I just couldn't help but stand up and cheer because it shows that, yeah, we might be growing livestock and animals, but it doesn't mean that it has to be a negative effect on the environment. And as a result of the practices at White Oak Pastures, and their carbon footprint is 111% lower than that of conventional beef. Yeah, when you compared right conventional beef putting out, I think it's 33 pounds. Yeah. For, for every, every pound, of, pound meat. of meat. 33 pounds of carbon. Yeah. For every pound of meat, which is that's why they have the bad rap. I mean, I'm, I think I was having a conversation with somebody on the East Coast and. This has been engraved. I mean, media plays a large role, right? And kind of polarizing people's thoughts and emotions around things that can be disconnected or disjointed from their natural environment. So if you live in an urban area, I mean, you're not going to relate too much to someone that that lives in a rural area. And a lot of, you know, most of that happens in rural areas. So you see a lot of perception here where you can paint somebody as you know an enemy if you will because you remember what you were told and i don't think people have the energy or even desire to kind of dig enough so i think this information is not only jaw-dropping right because it kind of shifts people's perspective and negative preconceived notion but it also kind of sheds hope into what's possible and that i I totally agree of why uh, everybody in the industry should hold will harris's efforts and accomplishments in high regard and thank you for helping understand it's it's not a farmer or ranchers. Nobody's done anything wrong here. So with even the conventional beef that's been raised, just like Will's point, if we get away from industrialized farming and back to, like he calls it radically traditional farming, it doesn't have to have the impact on the environment that it has. And one of the things I like to do is take the politics out of it. And just like we're talking about like the natural earth cycles of nature flowing freely, if you take the politics out of it and stop blaming, you know, one group or another, or really it's like you're saying, it's more of a misunderstanding. I think the time has come, the agricultural model that we're breaking out of is no longer serving us. And at some point, which I feel is now, we're at that point in choice. Do we continue with what has worked? based on what we're trying to keep, you know, as what we know is familiar and comfortable? Or are we willing to also know that there can be a better way and trust that working with nature to remove what's been congesting it and adding what will support it 
that's well said. And, I, and it makes sense to me. The question I had for you is how can farmers and ranchers find out more what what is possible? And before I forget, speaking of possible, after you answer that question, can you also weigh in on your new venture, Ag Possible, and how that plays a role in education, collaboration, and opportunity embedded in the regenerative movement? Sure. I think it takes all of us to actually make this move. And there's been so much curiosity. So the Ag Marketplace under Yield Organic Umbrella has a way of serving both farmers and buyers to be able to bring them together for a crop that's already been produced. So at Ag Possible, we can confidently come alongside brands to optimize their supply chain web infrastructure for organizations that are taking the forefront to help farmers make these shifts in agriculture to bring transparency and even traceability of what's possible and important to the marketability to help satiate that consumer demand. So people are looking for, you know, not only where their food comes, I don't know if you see it in the consumer, consumers in the grocery store where you're at, but a lot of them are standing there reading labels, trying to understand, you know, how, what impacts their purchases are making. I don't know. Do you do that? I, I know that you're going to like laugh and uh, get a giggle out of this. And I'm sure the listeners will also. So in my family, right, I'm the grocery person. My wife hates shopping uh, for groceries, so uh, that's my job, right? And and I, I I do that, right? So I I have you know a set of staples that I buy. We're we're a family six, right? Six and two dogs. So I mean, from a budgetary standpoint, if you aggregate this, right? I'm a systems thinker. If you aggregate this across consumers, that's why you see how much power consumers have through their purchasing power. So for me, for me and my family, right, I represent $1,600, $2,000 a month in food, right? That's how much we're going to eat it. So we care about our health. We're health-minded. So I'm open to products that make a difference for me as an individual and for my family because I want us to be healthy. I think all of us can share in on painful realities or memories, right, where people get sick. And if we're, we've been able to correlate that based on their lifestyle choices, you know, we've, those are hard lessons to learn. So, you know, I'm trying to do what I can, right, to, to feed my family good things so, so we can, you know, be, be healthy. When I'm buying stuff is, all right, you know, is this good for me? And I know that as I pay for this product, I mean, I'm supporting through my purchase, you know, I want to be helping, not hurting right? The land, the people in the process. That's just the way a lot of consumers are. Information has shifted. Well, if I'm making this good decision for me, I should support others doing it also. So there's, that's the way that I kind of go, go about it. And it's changed over the years. The more information I have around, you know, whether this is good or bad for me, but also, you know, how sustainable is it for me to continue to buy this, this, this product, right? Whether it's fresh produce or, or, wheat or milled items to to make bread it shifts my ability to buy based on both availability and quality but quality is definitely always paramount it's a decision that i make as a consumer and i'm sure a lot of people feel the same way thank you for sharing that part because it sounds like you're concerned about the health impacts and the choices that you're making in the store and as a producer on my side of the fence if you will 
I care about providing that quality to you. I would never want somebody to come to the grocery store or any place wherever they're purchasing these goods to ever have a concern about how it was raised. And that's where I'm back to the regenerative practices, because the more we improve what I go back to, the simple science of soil health, the better the quality of product we're able to provide for you. And that's, I think, the part that I'm passionate about, the word regenerative, because it's something that we are able to bring forward. And through Ag Possible, we're able to help brands come together and open those lines of communication with farmers to be able to build those marketplaces and supply chains and products to bring them to your home. That's powerful. And I'm excited about it. And I truly wish you the best in that endeavor. I think a lot of people are just going to jump all over this because uh, honestly, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this. So anybody talking solutions is both exciting and encouraging, honestly, because it gives a lot of hope into what's going on. Thanks. Nice. Yeah. And that's the whole point, bringing people together through community and opportunity, right? Absolutely. Thanks for having me here today, Taya. Thank you, Rodrigo, for being a part of our podcast. In concluding our podcast, I'd like to thank you all for joining the Yield Organic Ag Marketplace and for listening to The Organic Advocate. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or subscribe. It's easy to follow us on iTunes now. Just look for The Organic Advocate under the podcast section. If you have any questions about Yield Organic, you can reach us on Twitter using the hashtag OrganicAdvocate. We look forward to hearing from you. If you'd like to be a guest on the Organic Advocate or connect with us, please reach out to us on Facebook forward slash Yield Organic and on Twitter at Yield Organic. Keep tuning in 